Hi everybody, welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Tonight we have a special guest with us here, Haley Carter, who has been playing with the Dash as a reserve and recently took a position with the Afghanistan Women's National Team as a goalkeeper coach and social media guru. Hi Haley! Hi. Hi. Uh, Thanks for having me. Gab is also on the line too, I guess, whatever. <laughs> I'm over here, just hanging out in the corner. Yeah, Gab, what are you drinking? Oh, man. Uh, so I'm still at the office, um, and I am drinking a two-town cider, Outsider. It's their new unfiltered hard cider um, out of a can, and it's pretty awesome. Uh, pretty stoked about two towns. A little bit of a plug for them. They, uh, they're giving us a keg for our uh, Riveters bus trip this weekend. Um, so pretty excited about that, and the si new cider is really good, so happy about that. Um, what are you drinking, Steph? Some people might have said, I'm still at the office, so I'm not drinking anything, but you just, you know? Why would I lie to I you know. about that? I'm having a good old Sam Adams. I'm a simple woman. I love Boston. I love Sam. Boston. Yeah. Haley, what are you I, drinking? I am actually drinking um, Shiner Prickly Pear. <gasps> yeah. Delicious. You know, if I have to go for a regional macro brew, I'll go for a, a Shiner. It's pretty legit. Um, Monica Alvarado brought it to me last night, actually. I like that yeah. Shiner. Uh, they've got some kind of chocolate stout or double box. birthday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like a birthday beer. Yeah. Oh, it's really delicious. good. Have you had a chance to make it over to the brewery over in Shiner, Texas? I have not. I, I don't know if you um, are aware of this, but my schedule is pretty complicated. These days. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, I don't have a whole lot of time for anything, but I've heard it's awesome. I, I mean, I have friends that have that have gone and and um, left slightly inebriated. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty legit uh, brewery uh, tour. It's not huge. It's it's like their original facility, and they give you these like little wooden coins where you can like trade them in for samples of all their different beers at the end. Um, yeah. So you know, you hang out in the tasting room for a while, and and you get. You can probably have a couple pints worth of beer if, you know, you're with a designated driver or something and they donate their coins to you. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to check that out. I mean, should you ever get a break from all the intense oh, soccer? It, it wouldn't be hard to sell that one to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, do you mind? We'll, let's just go for a 90-minute drive outside of Houston. Yeah, actually, that would be easy. I mean, he he's from Smithville, so... It's not like we haven't driven 90 minutes outside of Houston before. <laughs> right. I mean, it's Texas. A 90-minute drive is really not, you know. That's like how far I drive to training every day, so it works out. Yeah. Jeez, man. I'm kidding. It's not that far, but <laughs> it may as well be. It might be with traffic, you know? No, it's not. I, I, I mean, I'm from here, so I've, I have perfected the routes in and out of Houston to avoid traffic. And it's hard to do because Houston traffic really sucks, but um, we've, we've timed it pretty well. Good, good, um, good. As far as when we leave and what, where we go, it's pretty, pretty strategic for me and Monica. Pretty serious about it, and we plan it out the night before. <laughs> well, and speaking of training, why don't you tell us what you're up to? Then, I mean, I kind of gave it in the intro, but straight from the horse's mouth, what's it? What's up? Yeah, so um, I actually have not been at training at all this week. My grandfather passed away uh, 
last Friday. So we've been kind of dealing with that. We had the funeral yesterday, which is actually why Monica brought me some Shiner Prickly Pear. I hosted a reception at our house um, after the funeral. She's a good friend and roommate, so she brought me some beer. Um, and I've just been kind of dealing with that. And I texted Randy on um, Sunday because I was waiting for us to make arrangements before I let him know what was going on. And, you know, he he gave me the week off and said to take care of my family. He's always really good about that sort of stuff. So, um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, things are complicated. You know, I have a full-time job on top of playing and, um, which is the smart thing I think all reserves should do. And I think all clubs should support reserves being able to do that. And they should facilitate it as much as possible because playing for free is not easy. Um, and, uh, and Randy and, and the, the guys here are always really flexible. You know, Monica, she has a full-time job as well. So it's actually why we make great, um, roommates. And probably the only reason why my husband allows her to stay at our house is because she works the same schedule I do. So we go to training in the morning. Um, and then we leave straight from training in our business casual and we head to work. <laughs> um, and then we come home at like seven or eight o'clock at night. So, um, so yeah, it's busy. And then, you know, fitting the Afghanistan, um, stuff in, in between that is, um, it's, it's quite a juggling act, but it's fun. You know, I'm, I'm used to always being busy and, uh, you know, going to college at Navy and, and then going into the Marine Corps, it, it's almost like. If I'm not a little bit overwhelmed, then I become the least productive person ever. Um, I just, I, you know, if I'm if I'm not super busy, then I just am a sloth and mope around and don't do anything. So, yeah. No, I know the feeling. Little yeah. bit of pressure will get a lot out of me. So it's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. If I don't have a deadline, then it's like, well, why don't I just do this next week? Right. And then next week rolls exactly. around. First condolences on your grandpa, but, um... Thanks. You know, he he was 85, and he was, like, sliding into home plate, if you know what I mean. Uh, you, you know, it, you never will really want that call, but, you know, it didn't, like, jolt me or anything, so... Yeah. Um, he had a good time. He lived the way he wanted to live, and he went the way he wanted to go, and, um, you know, I mean, you can't be anything but happy about that when you really think about it, so... Um... Well, then, why don't you tell us how you got involved with the Afghanistan Women's National Team? So, it's a cool story, actually. Uh, well, maybe it's not cool. I guess, depending on how you look at it, I think it's cool. But, uh, so, my sponsor is Hummel, uh, Hummel USA, which is kind of an offshoot of uh, Hummel International. And um, Hummel International is the sponsor, the kit sponsor for the Afghanistan Football Federation. So, um we were, they were gearing up for the kit launch. And, um, of course my background, I, you know, spent a pretty significant amount of time in the middle East. And so I was really excited about it. They showed me these kits. These are what we're going to release. They've got the, the hijab built into them. They're awesome. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, these are badass. They're like basically like an under armor type compression, um, base layer with the hijab built in, which is primo to me. I don't know why it's, it's taken forever to for somebody to come up with that. Um, and it's really cool because Hummel International is sort of on the up and up again. I mean, they, they kind of disappeared off the face of the map there for a while uh, in the late 90s, and they're making a comeback again. And it's really cool because it's not that controversial for them to get involved with, in a country like Afghanistan. Or um, there are some other countries, too, that they're involved in, and they make some really cool, like Zanzibar, for instance, that hmm. they made a really cool custom national team kit for them as well. But 
you know, they, they can get involved and they can support these things and it doesn't really hurt their brand. Um, and their, their mantra is sort of, you know, change the world through sport. And they believe that from the top all the way to the bottom. So to be partnered with a sponsor like that, number one is really cool. And then number two opens up the opportunities for me to get involved in stuff like this. And, uh, they actually introduced me to Kalita who, um, stuff you've, you've talked to in the past. Mm-hmm. And, um, and one thing sort of led to another and I told Kalita, she's done great things and, and I love it. And she said, well, we're working on this stuff for 2016 for Afghanistan. And I said, I would love to help I, anything you want me to do and I'll do it. And we were talking about it and she was like, well, do you want to be the goalkeeper coach? And I was, you know, does a bear shit in the woods. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss, but I'm a former Marine. So it, I cuss. Sorry guys. Um, no, fucking no apologies. Yeah. I, well, this is life. This is me, right? And um, so, yeah, so I jumped at it. And, uh, yeah, and, you know, one thing led to another. And then they brought Kelly on board because Kelly actually, um, through Julie Foudy's leadership academies and the sports camps and stuff over the summer, she got involved with Hajar, who is a uh, national team member who's actually in Kabul. And so they brought Kelly on board as the head coach. And Kelly is amazing. And the three of us together just – have so much fun. I mean, all of us are so overwhelmed between our full, you know, our full-time jobs and Kalita's going to school and working and um, I'm managing, you know, my husband and kid and full-time job and playing and training kids here. And, but we have so much fun. We're all so overwhelmed, but because we're, Kelly's in Hong Kong and I'm here and Kalita's in Europe, we like our tag teaming on things. And it's, it's actually been a lot of fun. The three of us have very similar senses of humor. So, uh, you know, we make a lot of jokes and call each other out quite a bit on GroupMe <laughs> and WhatsApp. And uh, we've got First Touch, too. So uh, we use First Touch for the Dash. And I thought, well, it's free. So I'll set it up for the Afghanistan team. And we've got the girls now are all on it. And, you know, they've all got very hilarious senses of humor. So it's, it's lots of jokes and at, at the expense of Kelly and I. <laughs> and a lot of jokes our way just about different things we're doing on social media and uh with kobe bryant doing that tweet now all of them are silent all of a sudden about <laughs> my ability to social media and uh <laughs> so that that, yeah. that was a, a bit of a boss tweet there you know getting right? him on board and you know um monica and i we i i bring up monica because we you know we live together and so we're we are always devising these plans on how we're going to take over the world and I was talking to her and I said, we need to, we need to find a, a celebrity that we can tweet to because Hummel contacted me and said, look, you, you're blowing through these followers. So if you can find another, you can find a person to donate a thousand dollars, we'll match it. So I turned to Monica and I said, Monica, we got to find a, a celebrity to help us out here. Who's who, who is somebody that we can partner with? And we're like rolling through all these names. And we're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. They probably went right back. And she's like, well, I met Kobe Bryant once and he was really cool. And He's always retweeting Sydney LaRue, so why don't we tweet at him? <laughs> and so she tweeted at him and you know, it worked out. So that's that's so awesome. It's it's one of those things that I haven't really been tuned in. As you mentioned, Steph has been like working on articles and stuff like that. Um and just kind of seeing all the stuff kind of waterfall over the last couple of weeks has been so cool. 
just to kind of see the the momentum picking up and and really excited to, uh, about what you guys are, are going to be able to do can i ask like how often do you go like do you get to meet up with the team or or kind of what what does that so, look like so that that uh that's a good question so um, similar to many other national teams that scoop players uh, internationally, we do that. Um, there's maybe five or six players in Afghanistan. There's seven or eight players in Europe. There's a couple players here. Um, they're all kind of spread out. And obviously, we don't have the resources to go into camp like the U.S. does or half the other teams. But um, So we don't get to see each other that often. But we're working on you know, putting together like sort of virtual like fitness programs and stuff like that. We actually just recently brought on John DeWitt, who is our fitness coach with the Houston Dash. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone on the team hates him, except for me, because I don't really care how much he makes me run. I was a Marine and there's nothing he can do to me in 45 minutes that comes even remote close to being the hardest thing in my life. So, um, and I usually make jokes about this being my hobby. And that kind of lightens the mood. But uh, we just recently brought him on because he, he actually does great work. And the workouts that he comes up with, everything is always very calculated and deliberate. Um, and he's great. So we brought him on board and we're putting together a fitness regimen that we can put out to the team and sort of manage virtually. And then a lot of them play um, in second and third tier leagues in Europe and are decent players. They're very, very technical, like many European players are. Um and we so I will actually meet with some of them some U.S. players and some Afghanistan players at the end of the month um, for security reasons I'm not going to give out details because we've had some issues with that um, but uh, I'll meet with some of them just to do some evaluations and I'll film them and then you know share it in Dropbox with Kelly and and we'll make some decisions from there and then um, Kelly Kalita and I are actually meeting in Amsterdam in June to evaluate some players in Europe um, and, you know, we'll go through the same thing. And then we're going to be looking at making a roster. And I think we decided on 25. We're going to go for a roster of 25 this year, mm. um, which is a little bit larger. Typically, um, it's a good pool size, but it's quite a bit larger than an, a roster. I mean, even the World Cup is set at 23. Um, but it's because we're trying to grow the game as much as possible. So we want as many girls to participate and get as professional and experienced as possible so that we can help build momentum because we don't want it just to happen this year and then kind of fall off the map again. So um, we will actually start training again, have a training camp in September and then roll basically have a camp here in the U S and then another camp will be in Hong Kong and then roll straight from there to the SAF championships um, later. And SAF stands for the South Asia football federation. Yeah. I was, when I was researching the article on Kalita and looking up, Afghanistan's recent results it seems like they played basically you know every every two years or or they'd get yeah. games once a year yeah. Yeah. and it was it's a funding it's a funding thing yeah um I, ha I have found uh and the really interesting thing is that I don't know if you have followed FIFA and what they've done with Afghanistan but Afghanistan is actually in the Central Asia Football Federation mm -hmm. now so um but if you look at the map, not a whole lot of senior women's teams in the Central Asia region. Um, so that's why we're, we're pushing to play with SAF. Um, and we're actually waiting to get final details on that. And you guys know how anything with uh, the football federations can work. It usually takes a little bit of time. So they haven't finalized the date yet for that. But once they do, we'll make sure that, that it gets out and posted. But 
I think the biggest push for us right now is um, it's so funny. So little of it is is coaching. Um, Kelly and I are trying to work with John and figure out actual like the coaching piece of it. Um, but so much of it right now is just trying to get our ducks in a row as far as raising money and sponsorships and who we're going to part partner with and you know working with the Afghanistan Football Federation and and it's almost like building a team from scratch. So all of us are wearing three or four different hats right now. Like I'm, I've got the social media thing just because um, I don't know why I got it, but I got it. Um, and uh, you know Kelly's working with some various nonprofits and Kalita is as well and you know working with Hummel and Denmark and um, we're all kind of sort of tag teaming this, but it's it it's a lot of fun. And I, and I will say I've been forewarned based on, you know, Randy's experience with TNT about how frustrating it can be with dealing with the federations. But, you know, I, I got to tell you, I have, I, I have no expectations. I wouldn't say I have low expectations. I have no expectations. Um, you know, I, I think that the federation from all of the interaction that I have had has been very positive. Um, but it's Afghanistan. They're limited across the board. It's not like they're just limited on the women's side. They're limited across the board. So, um, you know, I, I have gone into it thinking I'm going to have to be patient and, you know, we're going to have to work around it and we're going to have to be politically sensitive and diplomatic in how we do things. And we need to make sure that we're not leaving anyone disappointed or left out and, um, that we're acknowledging the right parties and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's ty- It's exhausting. There's a lot of work that's going into it behind the scenes. And um, I was telling my husband, I said, man, I managed to get the Afghanistan women's national team Twitter handle from like 76 followers to like over a thousand today. And I got home and I said that to him and he was like, cool. And I was like, you have no idea how hard I have been working all day to make that happen. And, uh, and he's like, well, I still have like 30 followers. So... <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> but he, he can be your next project, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm it, just it, talking. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm, no, it's, it's all a cool story. So yeah, it's all incredibly fascinating. We should probably mention should mention this sooner. That's Kelly Lindsay, new head coach, yeah. and Kalita yeah. Popal, who used to be the team's captain before mm-hmm. she had to essentially flee the country. And you mentioned you know security reasons and stuff. And when I was talking to Kalita, and this wasn't long ago, she left in 2011. She told me. Yeah. And, you know, at the time, people were making threats against her and her family, threats on her life. And she said stuff, you know, like suicide bombers would occasionally wait for players leaving for practice. So they had to deal with the logistics of safely getting girls to practice. I mean, is that something that players are still facing? um, So, I mean, recently there have been some some threats made and I won't go into details because it's irrelevant, but. Um, there have been some threats made and, and Kalita and Kelly and I were talking about social media and if we wanted to kind of change how we do that. And, you know, I, I being intimately familiar with this, um, with my background and um, previous career, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, changed the name on my personal Facebook account and done a couple other things. But the bottom line is we live in a digital age. So, you know, um, my bio is out there. Everybody knows my background. So, um there were some people in Afghanistan that didn't really appreciate my background and understandably so. Um, but it's just, you know, people that don't appreciate women playing soccer and okay. Also I I get it. Um, but you know, when we talked about it, we thought, well, we're not going to change what we're doing on social media because then they win. 
and I've never really been one to to let that stop me from something. So, um, so we've kept on charging. We're doing what you know we plan to do, and um, yeah, I mean it is what it is. You know, I I texted Kalita and immediately because you know she called me. President of the Federation was talking and a lot of things going on, and I told her I said, you know, it's not a big deal if we need to be you know watch the the amount of of coverage on social media we can and she said oh no this is business as usual let's continue doing what we're doing I said all right sister i'm in if you're in and she was yes. like i'm in she was like please don't leave facebook and twitter i could not live without your stuff <laughs> I said, okay it, it's it's really crazy how like somebody's perspective like that like something that we're you know we kind of innately view as like okay maybe we should pump the brakes or maybe we should like tone it down and yeah. then for somebody else to be like yeah no this is the reality like yeah, this so is like, normal no, let's keep charging and I said okay I told her I said if you're good with it I'm good with it and she was like I'm good with it let's go you know I talked to my husband about it and I don't know if you guys know my my husband's background but um you know, he had a price on his head in Afghanistan for years because of the stuff that he did there. So when I, I called him and I told him about it, he basically was like, well, welcome to the club. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, basically. That's why it's I like you, him. you earn a badge now or something like that, you know? Well, I like to think that when, when things like that happen, that means you're probably doing something right in the world. So yeah, pissing off people in power who have maybe not been using it to the best end. It's, it's not the worst thing for your honor i guess i, I mean i suppose i yeah. i'm not gonna lie i uh I, I didn't really tell anyone this so i'm just gonna tell it on a podcast i guess but you know i i spent quite a bit of time in iraq and it, it was really stressful and went through a lot of stuff and i gotta tell you <clears throat> after i had that conversation with kalita and we talked about it and we decided i'm not gonna lie i definitely had a couple uh some i had some nightmares on of things that were going on there and of like harper and my, Michael and I's biggest concern, I think, is our son, you know, mm -hmm. both he and Michael and I can handle, our, handle ourselves, but, um, you know, Harper, Harper's kind of a firecracker, too. He can handle himself pretty well, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of selfish, I think, for us to think that way, and Michael and I sort of agreed on that. You know, there are a lot of women, and a lot of men who have put their lives at risk to support this initiative, so um you know and their families at risk and Kalita's family was at risk and you know there's a lot of people that put their lives at risk to do that and we knew that 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 was a potential when we signed up and when I signed up to do this and of course I ran it through him beforehand and you know so yeah it is it's the reality of it but well I think that's also it kind of speaks to the importance of sports that you know, some people, it's just a game, but people are literally risking their lives to play soccer, so there must be something yeah. else going on here. It's not just a game to the, the women and the girls and to you guys who are all involved with the program, it, because a lot of people talk about sports' ability um, to change lives, not just on the field, but, you know, in an overall political sense. So I feel like the work you guys are doing, establishing a, te a solid team, a real team that doesn't just convene you know, to play, tick off some boxes so they maintain their FIFA legitimacy or whatever and then disband yeah. for two years. It's It could really change the landscape for a lot of women in the country. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, we, the collectively, between Kelly and Kalita and I, have said our, our biggest message to the media right now, and we're still kind of working on a media campaign. We've been sort of overwhelmed lately, so we're trying to just keep up with 
you know, all the support that we're getting. We're getting a lot of questions from media and a lot of questions from different companies wanting to help out. And um, I'm having to like fill them for a little bit and keep them at bay for a while, just because we've got to get, like I said, we've got to get all of our ducks in a row because we're not, we don't want to shoot from the hip and we don't want to shoot from the hip because we don't want this to be something that is just about a football tournament or, you know, uh, it's just a one year, one off thing. You know, we really want to build the momentum and we really want to show that sports changes lives and, and enriches um, communities and cultures. And, and uh, so, you know, it, it, it's important to us that that message be conveyed as such and that our sponsors and people that want to get involved and people that want to share our story know that it's much, much more than just a football game. It, it's about changing lives and improving um, and, and just improving the general dynamics and giving opportunities to women that may not have had opportunities. And even if it's not soccer, it's something else, you know, cricket or cycling or, or whatever, you know, you know, we want women to feel comfortable that they can do those things. And we want culture, maybe not to like shift entirely the paradigm of, of the culture there, but um, to open it up and to give women the opportunity because life there is very stressful. And I know for me personally, soccer has always been a stress release. It's why I still play it at 31. It was never a stress generator for me. It was always a stress release. So to be able to give women that opportunity, uh, you know, I think is amazing. Well, and it kind of comes back to the larger sense and that it's bigger than it's bigger than a game. It's this social mechanism that, that we can help elevate uh, particular individuals or people who, you know, maybe didn't have the socioeconomic ability to, to play, you know, it's, it's about allowing them opportunities just to figure out, you know, what is their talent? What, yeah. what are they capable of? Because everybody's capable of something. And this is just one avenue um, to, to allow people to, to at least experience i think it normalizes it too because kalita talked about the growing exposure of the game in the media like they would be shown on tv or there'd be coverage so the more people hear about it the more it just becomes embedded in your consciousness is yeah that's a thing that exists i don't need to worry about you know trying to make yeah. sure that goes away found also well i was just gonna just really quick i was gonna say that our, our main focus this year is to create a team that's gonna win um we want to win so we're trying to do it as professionally as possible and, and give the girls an environment where they feel like, you know, this is how I'm treated in NWSL. This is how Kelly was treated in WSA. Um, you know, we want to make them feel like pros and we want to see them win. Cause I can tell you the number one way to generate support in that culture is to win whether you're a male or a female. And, and this is coming from the football federation themselves. They just want to win. They want to see Afghanistan go up in the FIFA rankings. So whatever it's going to take, basically they've given Khalida carte blanche to bring on whoever you need to bring on. And and if you need something done, you let us know and we'll write the letters and we'll coordinate with FIFA and we'll do whatever it takes. Wow. Um, because, you know, you win and people get on board with you. It's just like here. Yeah. It's just like in the U.S. When you're a winning sports team, everybody loves you. Um, and it's kind of the same idea. You know, when, when that team starts being successful, then then everybody, you know, I think is going to start getting on board with that and showing that, hey, you know, that this this does well for our entire country. It speaks well of our country. I, th I think it also shows... A big deal there. So. Yeah, I think it also shows if you just invest a little bit, not even asking for a lot, just a little bit, a few resources, look at 
what you can get out of it, like the huge returns you can get in women's soccer for just this tiny little bit of investment. Mm -hmm. So with, you know, real investment and real infrastructure and real support, who knows what the limit would be for the women's team. Yeah. You mentioned the technology kind of, you know, we live in a social media age, but I think the flip side of that is, do you guys think that this would be possible if, you know, social media and technology didn't exist, like this level of coordination and, and work would be able to happen, you know, even five years ago or? Sure. You know, Facebook has been around for a long time. Come on, Steph. It's been around since <laughs> I don't know. That was like before the internet. Maybe I am Just the calling old. calling you out. Calling you out. Gab was the only one born in 1943. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, yeah, obviously, yeah, I do think it would be a little bit more difficult, you know. If I were using my rotary phone calling long distance, probably be a little bit more complicated but um you know I, I it's it's interesting because the mexican women's national team has been doing this for a while now um you know bringing in american players and and you know players from all over the place and um so it's not a new concept but yeah i would agree i mean just the, the time difference just between the three staff members is um is pretty crazy i'm sure that it could have been done but yeah, it would have been really difficult, but is that something this you... is the life we live in. Yeah. So, <laughs> Is that something you guys would consider yeah. looking to maybe American players of Afghan descent who who might want to suit we up? For... Yeah. Yeah? We... Yeah, we have a, a lot of players whose parents left Afghanistan either in the 90s or the early 2000s, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, and some during the like, Soviet occupation, but... Um, and then they were born here in the U.S. So we, yeah, we have some. Yeah, it's it's really it's really a cool story because ultimately, you know, the 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 women that are playing either they're refugees or their parents were refugees. So that's a very big deal to them. Um, you know, Kalita does a lot of work with various groups and um, in refugee initiatives. So, uh, you know, th that's a really cool dynamic, I think. Um, that you that is lost, I think, on a lot of national teams. They don't really appreciate that. It's not just finding foreign-born players that can carry an Afghanistan passport. Mm -hmm. You know, these are women who were born to families who really care about their country and have a lot of pride in Afghanistan and came over as refugees and and sort of at a loss. It was like a piece of their heart was left in Afghanistan. So, and that's the way these girls have been raised. So. Um, it's really kind of cool to see. Sounds like it's Culturally. kind of healing, allows them to reconnect a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we got a question for you on Twitter. <laughs> Hal Kaiser. Hal Kaiser <laughs> is the best Houston Dash reporter with a shaved head. That was the first question, but I was going to ask a different one, but it's good that you can put Hal's mind at ease like that. I know I'd have, to, I'd have to at least give Hal a shout out. Yeah, he's 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 my boy. He was probably pacing back and forth, like wondering when you were going to get to this. Waiting and, anxiously. Yeah, he's going to have to wait until tomorrow when this podcast okay, goes Hal. up. Uh, actually, yeah. we've got somebody on Twitter um, at John M Clark three is asking. So, how would a domestic league in Afghanistan work if it remains a little? A little outspoken, quote unquote, for girls to play. I think he's referring to. So, there is a domestic league. Yeah, yeah, there is currently a domestic league um, in Afghanistan. Hummel is the sponsor for that as well, and um, 
so there is a, a women's committee that was sort of appointed by the Afghanistan Football Federation, and they led this up. And it's really a grassroots initiative. Um, it's about just getting women out and playing. And it's in major cities and major areas, so it's not um, – it, it wouldn't be a good idea to put it in a rural area. But it's sort of growing, you know, and it's growing as sort of a, a youth initiative and youth movement and, um, you know – it's more about male and female and it's, it's coming about with a lot of different initiatives with the Federation just to get players involved and kids playing and um, boys and girls playing. And so it's kind of growing out of that. Um, And, you know, the league itself, obviously there are some security concerns around that, but it's a great way to develop the game inside the country. And it, like I said, it's more than, it's more than just about playing the game. It, it's about giving these girls opportunities and a stress release. And like you said, an opportunity to find their talent and what they're good at and to be with their friends. And, um, you know, so it does exist. Um, they do play it. You know, it's just like, it's kind of like WPSL is here. You know, it, it's sort of the same idea. Um, you have some younger players and some older players and, and yeah. So sounds like a cool way to build community among. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, it's, it's almost like, um, I kind of think of it like, what's the best American analogy. It's kind of like YMCA, oh, yeah. like YMCA where you have a lot of programs. Um, they've got futsal and indoor soccer and, uh, the women's league. And it's, I, th- I would liken it to the YMCA, but it's like entirely focused around having a ball at your feet. But that's what I would, yeah, I'd like it too. That sort of same sort of like community involvement and like social involvement, and um, it's interesting because I'm saying the YMCA and it, you know, is in a Muslim country, but that's what I would liken it to. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. what I would liken it to. But that same sense of you know tying it into the community so it becomes Absolutely. you know part yeah. of the, you know, what am I looking for when you, the things threads that you weave, <laughs> yeah. the things. Right, it yeah. is. You yeah. know that, that those are the things that build communities and build the next generation. Yeah. Dragging it back to American shores, even though, like, I would listen to you talk about getting the program off in Afghanistan for like the next six hours, but unfortunately, we can't do a six-hour podcast. <laughs> uh, we're gonna get a tweet from somebody who's be like, "I would listen to a six-hour podcast. I don't know what you're talking about." And- <laughs> right. Somebody, somebody would download that on their phone and listen to it. Long car drive. So we're entering week trip. five NWSL and yeah. the Houston Dash number four on the table. Two wins, right. one loss, one tie. What do you think about the Dash so far? I think we're doing really well. Um, you know, I, I think we've probably exceeded some expectations because I know a lot of fans were hating on our roster there for quite a while going into preseason thinking that we were going to get decimated, so... Uh, thanks for the loyalty, guys. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I honestly, this is definitely the most talented team we've had in our three years, without a doubt. Um, and I think that Randy's managing it well. You know, we had uh, kind of imploded against Orlando. But, um, you know, everybody gets along. The dynamics off the field are great. We've always kind of been known for that. We've always had a really good culture. And, you know, I, I, in the past two seasons, I've sort of placed that on older players and, 
you know, Aaron and Ella and myself and Becky Edwards, um, the first season and, um, Carly coming in, you know, we don't put up with bullshit. Uh, we don't do drama off the field. Um, we don't do really do drama on the field. Um, you know, and, and we sort of set the tone for that, that like, you don't have to be friends necessarily off the field, but everybody's going to get along and you're going to have a good time. You're not going to make people feel uncomfortable or awkward. And, uh, and especially with the reserves, you know, and coming back, you know, from retirement, coming out of retirement for my two weeks, which was glorious, by the way. Um, one of the big things I, I have told Randy and I have pushed it with him pretty hard throughout the season. And he's always been very receptive to it is that, you know, you have to make your reserves feel valued because the bottom line is it's really easy to attract talent because talent will will hang on that little thread that they might potentially be signed and their dreams come true. But the bottom line is that you can't just sustain talent over time because eventually that, that little dream might fade a little bit. Um, so you have to make reserves feel like they're a part of the team and you're investing in them and you value them and, and they're just as, as important as Carly Lloyd is. Um, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're a reserve or you're Carly Lloyd, you're treated the same way. Uh, and our, we've always been very good about that. Our front office has been good about it. The coaching staff has been good about it. Um, so we, we have a great dynamic in that. Um, you know, I've, I've always made a big deal that reserves get kit numbers and, you know, people make fun of me and think that that's just silly. But the bottom line is that when you have a number on your back and you're wearing the dash logo on the front of your Jersey, you feel like somebody. And that goes a long way when you feel like somebody you're going to do a lot for that team and a lot for that organization. So, um, you know, stuff like that, I think we've done a, a pretty good job on and, and it pays off. You know, I, I've always said that that sort of chemistry and that sort of organizational culture is going to pay off in the end. And now we've got sort of the talent in place and we've got the, the cultural dynamics in place. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we're going to do well. Um, I'm looking forward to getting some home games in again, you know, our, our next home games until the 20th. So, um, It'll be nice to be back at BBVA, even though it's hot as hell, but it works out in our favor usually. So Yeah, that next um, home game is going to yeah. be against Orlando, so maybe a chance for some revenge? Yeah, well, hopefully Ashlyn Harris doesn't play the best game of her fucking life like <laughs> she did against us when she was at home in front of 25,000 people. Um, she killed it that game. She absolutely killed it. Uh, and, um, you know, their, their team was amazing. Um and uh, as soon as I saw Leanne put her head down on that free kick, I was like, oh, Jesus, nobody's looking. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, but yeah, I you know, Ashlyn had a great game that game. And so I'm I'm hoping she sucks a little bit when she comes to Houston. But I doubt that will be the case. Um, she's usually pretty consistent. So she has been this season anyway. We, um, we, we can always dream. We can always dream that players just have a bad night, you know? Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, they're used to the humidity, too. It'll be nice to get see some players. You know, it'll be nice to see Tony Presley. I haven't seen her since last season, so that'll be good to catch up. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to being back at BBA. But I think we're going to do well this season. Um, you know, it, it'll be nice to get Carly back. I know, you know, I've talked to her a couple times in the last two weeks, and it, it's killing her not to do anything. Uh you know, she's kind of enjoying it because it's the first sort of break that she's been able to take in a couple of years, but it's killing her. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> a break that um, essentially nice had to be, to be forced on, on her. Like, it's, it is, it's killing her. Like, I'm pretty sure she's doing like sit and be fit 
You know what I mean? Like, right? The, the old lady I, exercise I have, videos. Yeah. I have no doubt she's doing anything that she can without messing up her knees. So she's like, well, I've just been lifting all upper body. <laughs> oh, great. Your biceps will be big. That's good. Awesome. She's just going to fall over when she like comes back, yeah. back to you guys. It's good that she take a break. So. It'll probably be the last vacation she takes until friggin' Tokyo Olympics because that's when she said she wanted to retire. And I, you know, I believe that yeah, physically. Yeah, you guys know that she's going to play forever, right? Yeah, so... her body seems like it's as, capable as long of as, just... As long as they'll let her, you know? Yeah, basically. Her engine is like, I I would compare it to, you know how you get like a Honda Civic and then it lasts 20 years and it's the most reliable car you've ever had it never needs maintenance you just need to change the tires maybe like a belt here or there but other than that you know it's gonna get you from a to b no matter what happens that's that's true that's how i feel about carly lloyd's body is that really how you feel about carly lloyd's body yeah actually you've talked about it before on the show i'll go dig up the receipts for you (laughs) well speaking of so oh go ahead no okay sure I, I'm sure you probably have it written out, and I'm, I don't have any of my questions written down. I was just gonna, gonna ask a dumb question. Wing it. Let's hear it. Come yeah. My it. my my dumb question was just I I'm kind of intrigued. Have you always wanted to coach? Um, I see that you're like an assistant coach and, um, you know, coaching over with the Afghanistan team and everything like that. Is is yeah. that kind of what you've always wanted to do, or is that just the way that you see you can kind of help out and grow the game yeah and I I, you know after I after I'm done playing which done playing is kind of relative term because I'll stop playing with the dash um and then I'm sure I'll go and play like WPSL or Sunday Rec League or whatever um but after I'm done playing uh it's a good way to stay with the game um and it and it is it is a great way to give back you know I'm I'm very big on serving your community and serving others and and doing what you can and influencing others and um it's a great opportunity you know I I was a volunteer assistant with Houston Tillotson um in 2014 and then with Sam Houston State 2015 and you know it's a lot of fun to interact with the college players and sort of help them kind of find their way in life because it's so much more than just coaching it's it's about developing young women into to leaders in their own communities so it's that's kind of fun you know I I coach ODP as well and I really like that too um the, a little bit younger of an age group but it's still sort of the opportunity to get to to be involved in your community and I came up through the ranks of Olympic development so you know there was no ECNL when I was a kid um you know so ODP was it like that was your only route to the national team so it was a really big deal then and and you know I just remember being nervous as hell anytime I went to an ODP thing and and having to learn to make friends and you know, at a young age. And, you know, that's kind of the point of ODP is they kind of want to put you in your, an element that you're not comfortable with and see how you do and see how you can socialize and make friends. So, uh, you know, that, that was a very um, instrumental part of my development, I think as a soccer player, even at a young age. And so to have the opportunity to influence younger players that are at that same sort of cusp of their life is, is pretty cool. Do you think you'd ever make the jump to ECNL? Me? I mean, if I'll make the jump to ECNL, I mean, coaching in front of ECNL, like if the opportunity came up, uh, I need to find the time to get more coaching licenses, but they're expensive. They're unbelievably expensive. Thanks U.S. Soccer for that. Revamp your (sighs) coaching licenses and then make them really expensive to get. You know, 
yeah, I need to do that. The great thing about the college game is, for the most part, they don't really care what licenses you have. They just care whether or not you can win and make more money for the school. But uh, I don't know. You know, I, 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 I still have to work on – I need to get my C license and everything squared away anyway, but um, just so I can coach ODP. But, I, you know, I don't know. The one thing I like about Olympic development that I don't like about ECNL or club – and it's not even just ECNL. It's just club across the board – is that there's such a big emphasis on winning and not about developing players. And I love ODP because, of course, there's a little bit of pressure there because, you know, kids want to get as far as they can and go to national pool and national camp stuff. But it's the one opportunity where they can go and they can make mistakes and it's okay. You know, every year we take kids to regional camp and we talk to them about playing out of the back. These are 12, 13, 14-year-old kids who in their club or high school or wherever they're coming from, their coaches don't let them play out of the back. It's just get it out. Kick it as far forward as you can and then just play. Um, so you're not developing players. You're not teaching players the game when you do that. Um, you know, and you don't. it's because you don't want to risk losing the ball in your defensive third. So ODP is great for that. You know, kids can go. They can be creative. They can learn to play out of the back. They can watch – this is what happens in professional games. Now you can replicate it, uh, uh -huh. you know, because kids grow up watching professional games, but they don't ever play that way. Um, you know, so even in college, you don't see a lot of teams playing the way that pro teams play. Um, so it's, I, I really like it because it's a chance for, for, you know, players to be who they want to be. And, you know, I, I kind of hate on the club soccer scene a little bit because, um, because players don't get the opportunity to do that. So, You mentioned coaching yeah. licenses, and I was talking to Cat Whitehill in preseason, asking about yeah. the situation for, you know, the pathway for more women to get into coaching, because NWSL, um, there's one female coach right now, and mm -hmm. it just feels like at the top level, a lot of the same names tend to get recycled. Um <laughs> Yeah, this year especially. Yeah, they just kind of, mm -hmm. it's like musical chairs, especially with English coaches. You just kind of shift them around a little bit. Do you feel like it's it's getting better? There's more pathways for women to get into coaching? Or is it the same or is it worse? I, I, I think so, but it's a generational thing, right? So it's going to take a little bit of time, I think, for females to get up to that point. Um, you know, I have a lot of female friends that have recently got, like Sarah Loudon, who she works with us. She's an intern for the Dash, and she's also an assistant at SAM. She's brilliant. And she just, you know, recently got her C license and she's certainly going to move up in the ranks and she'll do great. You know, she's a brand new little baby assistant coach who's not quite sure of herself, but she should be because she's really good. Um, and I think she is sort of the example of what's to come. Um, you know, I, I, they're out there and you're seeing them more and more getting their coaching licenses and they are really great coaches. So, you know, they're not there now, but they will be shortly. You know, I think give it five to seven years and you're going to start seeing more and more female coaches um, involved at the pro level. You know, Sweet. if you think about how long some of these male coaches have been around, I mean, um, you know, Mark Parsons aside, Randy's been around forever. Um, Paul Riley's been around forever. So, you know, Jim Gabera has been around forever. So these, you know, it takes time for th that, for those careers to develop. So, that's why I say I think in the next five to seven years, you're going to start seeing more and more uh, women involvement in the women's game uh, from a coaching standpoint. And, you know, I, I have friends that have gone to NSCAA conferences and talked about women coaching, and, and they've done, you know, presentations on it. And one of the biggest things that we've talked about is that, you know, we have to look out for each other. You know, girls, we can be kind of catty. 
Um, no. So, you know, you have to look out for each other because the bottom line is the only people that are going to look out for us are us. Um, you know, so if there's an opportunity to help out another female coach, you jump at the opportunity to help out that other female coach because it's going to come around and karma is a wonderful thing. Um, it, yeah, I think it so. comes from that whole when it was, you know, you said it's generational, maybe a couple generations ago, it was a lot harder to break in. And I think it created these really unfortunate situations where you get women who are like, okay, I got mine and I had to scratch and claw and fight to get here. And, you know, it created this weird mindset where they're like, so everyone who comes up after me has to fight just as hard. Yeah, well, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Yeah. So that's how I feel about that. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're getting better about it. The, yeah. You know, narrowing the focus again on a, a goalkeeper level. Right now, okay. you, feel free to, to no comment on this question, but who do you feel right now is kind of dominating nwsl in the net so i'm not asking you to rank them necessarily but maybe if you wanted to rank them like your top four or three goalkeepers right now okay so obviously ashlyn harris is killing it she's got save the week like two weeks in a row she's playing really well I, you know i'm just gonna go by my personal favorite so right. ashlyn harris she's killing it um i'm a big sabrina d'angelo fan as well huge fan um, I thought Caroline Stanley killed it against uh, us when we played Sky Blue. She had a really great game. Um, that that goalkeeper situation in Sky Blue is interesting and not one that I envy. And I am standing by patiently to see how that pans out. And um, and of course, you know, I, I have to rank Lydia and Bianca up there. Okay, both of them are up there. You know, I. I uh, I'm a firm believer in both of their abilities. Lydia is great. They're both very two. They're very different goalkeepers. They have very different styles. Uh, you know, very different athletic sort of. Their builds are different, and they just play different. But they're both amazing. Um, and you know, I've seen people comment about Randy saying that you know Bianca is one of the greatest goalkeepers in the world, and and you know, and Lydia obviously Lydia is one of the the greatest goalkeepers in the world too but the bottom line is what kind of coach wouldn't say that about their goalkeepers and what kind of right. teammate wouldn't say that about their goalkeepers you know i want lydia and bianca to feel like we're behind them 110 percent. because if you're not behind your goalkeeper 110 percent, you shouldn't be in this business um so much of what goalkeepers do is confidence and you know you guys know when you're told that you're amazing you're going to be amazing and when you're told that you suck you're going to suck so you know, but I truly believe that the, the two of them are unbelievable goalkeepers. I train with them day in and day out. Bianca, I've I've trained with Bianca for three years, and you know Lydia for this season, and they're both really solid goalkeepers. And then I I you know I love all the goalkeepers, and then WSL doesn't matter. We all stick together. And then I thought I guess I should mention Hope. She's pretty decent. She's average. Yeah. She's okay. G <laughs> She's okay. I mean, maybe someday she'll make a name for herself. Right? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe. She's decent. That kid's got a bright future if she just, you know, sticks with this goalkeeping thing. Ugh. I think she might be able to make a job out of it. She probably could. Maybe. Definitely. Pro. Maybe. She should go pro. Yeah. <laughs> Jill Ellis, you should take a look at this player. Hope I'm so still on. a little bit jealous last year of Michelle Betos' header goal. That's like something every goalkeeper dreams of ever. So. I I still don't believe it happened, and I was standing 15 feet away. Gab and I were yeah. there in person. We saw it with our own eyes. But yeah, we? we were yeah. we were there, and we about choked out our our buddy. And uh, yeah, that was that was an insane game. Yeah, I you know, I, you love her and you hate her at the same time. 
Because I was like, God, that was so amazing. And I was like, I hate you for getting the opportunity. <laughs> I, I was just like, give her all the awards now. She's going to win goalkeeper of the year. She's going to win you know, player of the year, all this other stuff. Like nobody's going to be able to top a diving yeah. goalkeeper goal to tie the game. Yeah. Speaking of goalkeepers, I have to say um, Abby Smith. I'm really disappointed about that. Oh, I love Abby. God. That's oh, a bummer. God. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm really, I'm, I'm disappointed for her. She's a, she's a good kid. Good goalkeeper. She was, and she was so. starting so strong for Boston. Even after yeah. one game, you're just like, okay, she's got some stuff. Yeah. You, you know? guys know she, I mean, she trained with us uh, two summers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, you know, so I, I got to know her pretty well. And yeah, she, like I said, she's great kid, great person, great player. Um, yeah, pretty bummed, yeah. pretty bummed about that, but, um, looking at maybe like a six month rehab, I think they're saying. So yeah, it's right out, but hopefully she'll be back next season for us. I would hope the team would stick with her or at least give her, you know, the benefit of uh, another tryout because they, you know, Oh yeah, they absolutely will. It, she's Abby Smith. Come yeah. on. I, I think she's going to come back pretty strong because before all this, I was like, she's, I think she's in the running to start joining that national team goalkeeper pool. She's about the right yeah. age, you know, hope. Maybe might retire after the Olympics. Maybe. Oh, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah. So last question of the night, because you've graciously talked to us for like an hour now. Um, it's almost the Olympics. So in your professional goalkeeper opinion, which is obviously much carries a lot more weight than me and Gab. We've got hope at number one. But at number two, you've got Alyssa Nair and Ashlyn Harris essentially fighting for that number two spot to be yeah. back up. So which one do you take to Rio? That's a tough question, and you guys are not the first person that's asked me that. Um, you know, I'm going to give you the diplomatic answer, but I'll support it both ways. Um, all goalkeepers are very different, right? So they just play different. Their personalities are different, um, and and that makes a difference. So both of them are fantastic goalkeepers. They definitely, you know, Ashlyn is a, a lot more of a um, extrovert, I'll say, <laughs> than um, than Alyssa is. You know, but I'll give Alyssa. She talk about consistency. She is one of the most consistent goalkeepers I I have ever seen. Um, she very rarely has a bad game. Or she's she's just very consistent. Um, you know, so it, it really comes down to, you know, what, what Jill is looking for at the time, I think, um, and sort of the dynamics and going into Rio and, you know, what they're looking to expect. I, I don't know. Honestly, I think both of them would serve well. I think that's probably going to be one of the toughest decisions. Obviously, one of them, whichever one doesn't go is going to go as an alternate, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, that's tough. I, I will tell you, though, that Ashlyn being on the brink of that decision – I think that's probably why she's playing as well as she is this season because she's, you know, she's got a chip on her shoulder and she's got something to prove. And I think she's doing a very good job of making that that, that decision as difficult as possible. And, um, and I'll tell you, you know, Bianca sort of has taught me this and not really taught it to me, but sort of laid it out. And I like the way she lays it out that as a player, it is your responsibility to make it impossible for the coach not to play you. Hmm. Um, and I think that Ashlyn's doing a pretty good job of that this season. I think that she's making it impossible for Jill Ellis not to pick her, um, you know, but judging by historical, some call-ups, you know, that Alyssa was getting call-ups and Ashlyn was not getting game time. But, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of both of them. You know, I grew up doing ODP with Ashlyn when we were younger and 
you know, both I think both of them will will do well, but I don't know. I honestly don't know. Okay. That's a fair answer, right? I mean, I, I think both of them have pros and cons, and, and I think, like I said, it's kind of like, you know, when Crystal was left off the roster last year, Crystal Dunn, she killed it in the NWSL, right? And then everybody's like, you know, maybe she should have been included in the World Cup roster. Um, I think that Ashland's doing the same thing. I think that Ashland's kind of driving that point home. Hey, don't don't you leave me off the Olympic roster because I'm killing it right now and I'm doing a really good job. So, you know, but the really unfortunate thing is, and I think talking about making the decision going into this is that I, they both of them rarely get playing time. Yeah. And I hate that. You know, I I would love to see them get um get some more some more opportunities to get time and caps and. Um, you know, people have talked about that for years and I think it's great, you know, that hope is like killing it and, and records and stuff. But I think from an investment standpoint, you know, you don't want to just skip this generation of goalkeepers, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think it's unfortunate that at the national team level, cause it's different, you know, you can kill it at a club level, but <clears throat> playing for your country is there's a different dynamic to that. So, you know, giving them more opportunity to get caps at the national team level, I think is important. So I think moving forward, regardless of what hope decides to do after the Olympics, it would be nice to see um, Alyssa and, and Ashlyn get some playing time, um, you know, and, and not, not have a fear of dropping in rankings if you lose a game. Cause to me, starting hope all of the time, that to me says that you don't have confidence in the other goalkeepers and um, you know, and, and I, well, give them the opportunity to, to prove themselves. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a pretty fair answer because everybody's literally, you know, based on the evidence that we have, obviously we're not in camp, we don't have access to training data, we, we don't, we can't read Joel Ellis' diary, but just on what we can see, it's like, it's so difficult to say, even based on recent call-ups, because who knows, there's more international friendlies left, they're gonna be playing Japan soon, so yeah. who, who knows, so thanks for Agreed. not helping us come to a decision, that was great. You're welcome. Yeah. You know, I told you goalkeepers stick together. Yeah. I'm not throwing right. anyone under the bus. That was Haley Carter, who's the new GK coach for the Afghanistan women's national team. You can find them on Twitter at AfghanistanWNT. She's also a reserve goalkeeper with the Houston Dash. I'm pretty sure you can find them on Twitter. Um, anything else you want to drop on our listeners, Haley? Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to me go on and on and on. I appreciate it. Thank you no, for on the not show. at all. Very educational and very serious subject, actually. Uh, and and the GoFundMe. And if the GoFundMe. an opportunity, yeah. you have a little bit of extra cash in your pocket, please feel free to donate to the GoFundMe. Um, it's the GoFundMe.com slash AFF Women's Fund. And I can tell you, we personally manage that money. It goes directly to me, and um, I manage it through my LLC. So... Uh, so far, it has paid for mine and Kelly and Kalita's travel to get around to evaluate some players, and now we're getting to the point where we can start saving up for training camp. So I appreciate to everybody who's donated so far. It's been wonderful and amazing, and, and you guys are great. I really, really appreciate it, and I just want you to know that you can trust me. I am responsible, and I will spend your money wisely. <laughs> perfect yeah, we'll definitely link it from the podcast page and uh, we'll tweet it out so thank you once again for coming on the show and giving us a lot of your time considering you know you're scheduled to the hilt with everything i've been doing <laughs> it was great thank you guys for having me on seriously 